Now, Lord, we pray that your word would speak to us, that you would, ta- you would take it and um, you would spiritually empower and infuse it and ignite um, the fuse that it would explode into our hearts and souls by your voice and not mine. In the name of Jesus, we ask that we hear you. Amen. Here's a picture for you. So you see it, the word joy, and then three, uh, they look like they're four and under, being so joyful. So here's my question. Don't answer too quickly, because it's a trick question. What's wrong with this picture? They're cr- they are crying. There's a, there's a seeming inconsistency, a dis, disengagement, incongruency. Actually, the answer to that question is there's nothing wrong with that. Because true joy does not exist in the absence of tears. It exists in the presence of tears. And that's where we're going to be headed. So we've been talking about what the incarnation brings. A little bit of review um, on the first Sunday in Advent, we talked about hope. So we lit the candle of hope and we talked a lot about hope. And and that set our trajectory for this season, for this incarnation season. Biblical hope, we said, was an expectation of fulfilled desires expectation of fulfilled desires that is a person. So hope is a person. It's God. It's not a thing. It's not um, experiences. It's Jesus. And secondly, hope is experienced as we uh, lean into the promises of God, what God says. Not what we want, not what we think would be good, but what God says. And so we we put our trust in what he says. And we looked at Abraham the last couple of weeks, how he in against all hope, in Romans chapter 14, verse 18 in the message, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so it's hoping against hope. Hoping against hope. So let's talk about experiencing heavenly realm, that HR stands for heavenly realm. Joy that comes from living true hope. God wants us to experience true joy, number one. God wants us to experience true joy. There's a lot of um, people that I hear talk about, and even infer, even Christians who when they hit hard and difficult times, um, we have this attitude that, that God is holding out. If, if God was really loved me, he wouldn't let this happen to me. If God really loved me, he would do this for me. If God was really real, then you know, the bad things in the world would happen. There's a whole, just a lot of idea that God is a God that is distant or, or he's not engaged. And, he, and if he does give us something, it's only... Under, under protest. 
But what we see in Scripture, the truth, the realities, the promises that Abraham held on to was that when God says something, it's true, and you can, you can build your life on it. But in his heart, his desire is for us to experience that which we were created for. And we were created with a longing to have joy, to have peace, to have contentment, to have satisfaction. He created us with that because he wanted to fulfill it. That was the whole point in Eden. He created us in such a way that the needs that were represented were, were so that we would look to him and experience them. God wants you to experience joy and peace and hope and, and all the gifts of the Spirit far, far more than you will ever want them. Amen. Yes. Did you hear me? Yeah. His desire is for you to experience. So when you ask God for something, he wants his will for you. He wants his good gifts for you more than you could ever desire. Even if you ask for him 24-7 without relenting, you could never have the, the level of desire that he wants, that he has for giving them to you. John 15, verses 10 and 11. If you keep my commandments, align yourself with me, Remember the pipes? Align yourself with me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide. You will live in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, Jesus says, and I abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you. Here's, here's my intent. Here's my purpose. Here's my intention. That my joy may be in you. My supernatural joy. My divine joy. That my joy, not the kind of joy that the world has, I've, I've given you, I, I came as God incarnate and I grew up and now I'm telling you these things because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit's desire is that our joy be in you and not just a little bit of joy. And your joy may be full, overflowing, rivers of living water, of life flowing out from within you. God wants us to experience joy. Deeper joy, deeper hope, deeper peace than we can ever imagine. That's his desire. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. Rejoice always. Have joy. Choose joy. Um, decide on joy. Pray without ceasing. Live in complete alignment and step with him. Give thanks, recognizing that he's God and all that, all that comes to him in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's the actions that he wants us to live. Why? Because he has a desire for joy more than we do. I, talk, I think in, over the last few weeks, I've talked about how when God is emphasizing things, it's, he, he repeats it. And one of the things over the last month that I've noticed in my journal that, I've, that I'm writing as I'm on my knees, as I'm as I'm reading through the Bible, that keeps coming to mind is nudges happen way more than I realize until I look in the rearview mirror. And nudges are God's incredible love and care to guide us and direct us and have us walk through life and experiencing the things that he wants us to experience even when we don't realize it. Why? Because he wants us to experience him more than we want to experience him. And so it's like, I think, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, 
um, something comes to mind, I think, oh, boy, I just had a good idea. <laughs> All right? And I do it. And then I'm on my knees a couple days later, and God reminds me, you know, when, when that came to mind, that was me. I was taking care of you. I was giving you a direction. And, and, and looking, and, and, and looking in, in review, I'm realizing how good it was. I thought it was just, you know, a flippant kind of decision at the time. But looking back, that was big. That's our loving Heavenly Father who's nudging us and caring for us, making sure. Why? Because He loves us so much and He wants us to experience His joy. I have said these things so that my joy can be in you. And that my joy before. Earthly realm joy is your team winning the Super Bowl. And just, by the way, that's not on the agenda for 2024 (laughs) in Pittsburgh. Just saying. That's earthly realm joy, right? It's a celebration. and, And it's real. But it doesn't touch heavenly realm joy. Heavenly realm joy can be sitting up with a sick grandchild, rocking them for hours, and sensing the deep satisfaction and connection, not only with that child, but with God himself. That's, earthly. That's why that picture with those kids crying, is, it, earthly realm is incongruent, right? That's the word, incongruent that, that you like, Wendy? Wendy, I'm talking to you. Yeah, yeah okay. But heavenly realm is not. Which leads us to number two. True joy is, is often not what we think. It's better. When we ask God for something that we think will bring us joy, so oftentimes we're not asking for enough. Because we don't have a point of reference for the enormity of what God wants to do. God's joy is often not what we think, but is better when... We continue to surrender, listen, and obey, and we don't give up before it's over. And I put the bullet point there that counterfeits must be exposed and surrendered. So as we go through life, we think we know what will bring us joy. We think we know what we want. So we plead with God and we tell him the plan that we have and, and because we think it will bring us incredible joy. And in reality, it's a counterfeit. It's a re- it, and, and God knows it's a counterfeit, so we don't get it and we get mad because we don't get it. Counterfeits have to be exposed. So we, we lean into God and we surrender, listen, and obey, and we pay attention to when he doesn't give us what we think will make us happy. And we go back to him and we say, okay, God, what are you saying here? You see, if we go back to the, um, the life of Abraham and Sarah, they... Um, they got the promise, they left their, their land and they started heading and they were promised a son and it wasn't happening, it wasn't happening, it wasn't happening. And so about 12 or 13 years in, they decide, Sarah decides she's going to take it in her own power and, and she's going to get this son because God's not delivering it. And they have a counterfeit, Ishmael, who, who is a problem from day one and continues to be a problem today. The counterfeit, the counterfeit had to be set aside. There are counterfeits in each one of our lives. So when things are going wrong in our eyes, 
we need to go to God and say, God, what do I need to surrender? Because you can't hold in your hands the gift that God has if you're holding on to the thing that you want. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we got to surrender it. And, and going through difficult times exposes the counterfeits that we're living in. So we settle for happiness when God wants to give us joy. Right? Amen. We settle for lust when God wants to offer us love. Amen. We settle us for momentary pleasure when God wants to give us so deep satisfaction. Amen. The counterfeits have to be exposed and surrendered in order to make room for true joy. The true joy is often not what we think, but it's better. And so here's an example of Lazarus. Lazarus um, was sick. His sisters, Mary and Martha, sent to Jesus and said, the, and he was, he was great friends, tight, tight friends with Jesus on a human level. And so they sent to him and said, You're, the one that you love is sick. Lazarus is sick. Please come, please heal him. And Jesus delays. He just hangs out where he was. And until a few days later, he decides to go knowing that he's dead. And he goes back, and Mary and Martha are both upset. They, Martha greets him and says, why didn't you come? Didn't you love him? Does that ever sound like us? He goes a little bit, he, he waits out at the edge of town, and Martha sends Mary, and Mary says the exact same thing. Why, why didn't you come? Didn't you don't you love us? Why didn't you deliver? Why didn't you heal him? All is lost. And then Jesus goes to the tomb and, and he rises from the dead. Which would have been easier on Mary and Martha and Lazarus for Jesus to come quickly and heal him or to wait until he died and raise him from the dead? It would have been easier for him to show up quickly and heal him right? That's what they wanted. We so often settle for less. Um, what's the point? True joy is not often what we think. They thought true joy would be that Lazarus would jump up from his, his sickbed. But what was it that gave them an experience of God and greater joy and glory to God? It was for him to delay, them to experience difficulty and pain, and then watch Lazarus be raised from the dead. And be in the Bible forever. So oftentimes we settle for less when God is doing more. And, we, and, and it's hard not to give up when it's painful. I don't know what kind of death Lazarus died. But any kind of death is not fun. It's painful. It's difficult. And it's especially difficult on Mary and Martha to watch. Knowing that not only are they losing their brother, they're losing their independence because in that culture, they couldn't own anything. He was their life. And to watch all of that fritter away. And in the back of their minds at the same time think, but Jesus is all powerful. He has healed all of these people. He has done incredible things. And now he said that he loves us. He comes visits all the time. We provide a place for, uh, for him to stay. And he's not even coming back. Why isn't he there? All of, that is so hard. But if you endure, if you persevere, you get to experience the real joy. God's joy is not what we think often 
It's not what we think. It's better if we endure. Got it? Which brings us... So let's, let's pause here for a moment of application. Is there a Lazarus moment that you might be going through now? A moment when you think God should be doing something and he's not. When it seems like his promises even indicate that he'll do something, but he's not. Are you willing to endure the difficulty and the pain trusting that God really is Emmanuel and his promises are true? Um, There's no height nor depth nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God if we stay with him. All right, which leads us to number three. True joy and trouble coexist. True joy and trouble. That's why I like that picture with the, those little kids, all of them screaming at the same time while trying to hold on to joy. <laughs> True joy and trouble coexist because we're talking heavenly realm rather than earthly realm. And it's 180 degrees difference. And, and all week long, I keep thinking about how we have, we, so often we think we've turned more right side up, more towards the heavenly realm, and, and then we realize we're not near as far as we thought we were. Mm-hmm. That there, there's so much farther to go. And this is one of them. Um, but the reality is true joy and trouble coexist. They, they are companions. They're not opposites. John 16, 33. I've said these things to you. Remember, he, he, he told them that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. And now he says, I've, I've, I'm kind of wrapping this sermon up. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. Tribulation, the point of reference is the cross. That's tribulation for Jesus. Um, and so in this world, you're going to have difficulties that you think will destroy you. Times when you don't know how you're going to survive, how you can even make it through another day. You're going to have times when you think the world is against you, when you don't think you can endure another moment of pain, and yet it looks like you've got a whole bunch more. He says, you're going you're gonna, to, but take heart. Or rejoice, rejoice, because I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world, but you're still going to have tribulation. So it's coexisting. You're going to be in the world where there's tribulation, but I've overcome the world. That's heavenly realm thinking, because they coexist. Um, as, As we did the study on the worm brands. And again, if you have not watched Tortured for Christ and Sabina, you need to do that before the end of the year. That's your, that's your sign. And then send me a book report. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, it is the point of reference for so much. Amen. Because as they are in the prison cells, they're experiencing joy. As they are being tortured, they're experiencing joy. They coexist. So it's not the absence of pain or difficulty. It's the presence of God. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope. I like that because it's joy and hope together. And then be patient in tribulation. 
And, and patience is not, I can put up with it. Patience is endurance, it's perseverance, it's active obedience in the midst of it. And then be constant in prayer. Just keep walking with Him. Mary and Martha didn't give up on Jesus. They approached Him as soon as He showed up. And they gave Him words of affirmation. We know that you're the resurrection and the life, and at the end of all things, we... they knew that, but they didn't know what He was up to. That's what we're supposed to do. Faith in Him, even when we don't know what He's up to. Heavenly realm perspective is that joy, joy coexists with trouble. Um, the difficulty is that we want on the front end what only comes on the back end, which leads us to this last point, and that is true joy is developed through blank, less situations, less situations. That makes sense in a moment. We want on the front end. So we want, um, as Mary and Martha did, to go to Jesus and for him to jump to it. We know what the plan is. It's to heal Lazarus. So get here, Jesus, come on, get to it. We want on the front end. We want him to do what we want him to do. We want peace and patience and joy and perseverance and, and the ability to trust in God. We want all of that immediately. We want all of that right on the front end. When in reality, it takes this process so that we only experience those things that we desire on the back end after we go through the process. Um, I was listening to a podcast where Johnny Erickson Tata, who, um, when she was a teenager in, in a diving accident, broke her neck and became a quadriple quadriplegic. And for the last 50 years or so has been this incredible shining light of what it means to follow God. God didn't heal her. But God has used her because he didn't heal her. And, and she was, she's got another book out. She's in her 70s and she's just continuing wanting to encourage people. Um, and I, I really appreciated it because she was so brutally honest about how hard it is to be a quadriplegic. And that sometimes she's up all night in pain. And no pain medication can touch the pain that she has that she gets just weary about being quadriplegic and, and having all of her bodily functions have to be mechanically taken care of. And, um, she's just, but she, she, didn't, she wasn't down about it. She was just blatantly honest about it. And she said, after her accident, somebody made a statement to her that she has clung to for 50 years. And I was taken by it. And, and if you want to listen to that interview, it was on... Um, it's a podcast called Upstream. It's about three or four weeks ago. And she said, she said this, God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God allows what he hates. He hates pain. Pain is a result of sin. Pain is a result of Adam and Eve turning their back on God. Pain was never a part of God's original connect, creation. Um, being a quadriplegic, being, you know, going, says, God doesn't love any of that. Says, but God allows what he hates in order to accomplish what he loves. And that is her transformation. And she talked about how her husband tells her that by being her husband and the difficulty that that is, he's been transformed and he's grateful that she 
has had to go through this because he's been transformed. That makes no sense in any part of the earthly realm. But it makes all kinds of sense in the heavenly realm. So true right side up hope, peace, joy, and love are only experienced by going through the opposite kinds of situation. Psalm 126 verses 5 and 6 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Those who sow in tears, those who go out into the fields in, in tears, in sorrow, in difficulty, shall reap with shouts of joy. In other words, you have to go through the hard stuff in order to get to the joy. He who goes out with weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, perseverance, doing what God wants you to do, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him, bringing with him the results of what they've been through. So that's physically true and spiritually true as well. So here, here's, here's how this works. The true joy comes through developing... Going, is developed through less situations. Here it is. You probably, if you've been around me and you've begun to understand how my mind works, you probably can fill in these blanks. But I would be scared for you <laughs> if you were in my mind. Joy comes by experiencing with God in obedience, surrendering, listening, and obeying joyless situations. Fill in the blank. I didn't give these to Shannon, so she can't fill them in for you. Hope comes by experiencing, surrendering, listening, obeying, along, persevering with God. Hope comes by experiencing hopeless situations. You don't get hope without going through the hard stuff that challenges the hope. Peace comes by experiencing, you want to take a guess, peaceless situations. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> Another herbism? I know this one's a word. Love comes by experiencing loveless situations. That doesn't seem to make earthly realm sense. It doesn't seem logical, does it? But it's exactly true. Joy is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. And the confidence that comes through obeying his promises. So we, when God wants to give us more joy, he puts us into situations that should rob our joy, but by putting our hope in him, depending on him, leaning into him, clinging to him, and obeying him in the midst of joyless, peaceless, hopeless, loveless situations, he brings us to experience heavenly realm, supernatural, joy, hope, peace, and love. And, and, and anytime I think about joy, I can't get away from Acts 16. So turn your Bible there, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, we'll begin with verse 16. So just by the way, if you want more joy and you're asking God to give you more joy, just pay attention and, and recognize that means you're going to be put into situations that will test that, that will be hard, that will be the opposite of what you think joy is. 
You'll be put to, to get greater hope in God and his promises. He will put you in situations that are hopeless. Abraham. Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 16. This is the apostle Paul and Silas. They're on a missionary trip. As they were going, and they're in the city of Philippi. As they were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. So he, they were, she was spirit, she was demon possessed and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation, which is true, but it was to cause them problems. It was, it was to get in the way. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, didn't I love those kind of scriptures because if Paul can be annoyed, then I feel better. <laughs> right? It's not about, it's what you do when you get annoyed. He turned and said to the Spirit, and I have to believe, he put up with this for several days. I have to believe that he's walking a step with the Spirit. And, and on day one, he goes, Spirit, can I cast this out? And get the Spirit goes, no, not yet. And he goes until he finally gets permission he turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. That seems like a good thing, doesn't it? I mean, this, this poor slave girl has been possessed by a demon, been um, used and abused by her owners. She's treated as a possession. And, and so she's in all kinds of chains. And now, by the power of God, Paul is used to set her free. That seems like such... A good thing. But when her owners saw, verse 19, that, her, that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Why? They didn't care about the girl. They just cared about money. And so they weren't happy. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off of them. So pay attention. They've been accused of things that they pro probably hadn't done, although Jews had done in the past. And now they're stripped of their clothes and, they were, and he gave orders to beat them with rods. Think about that. These rods that would break bones, that would um, open up flesh wounds that could knock them out if they were hit in the head. This was a brutal, brutal kind of treatment. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Physically attacked, falsely accused, ganged up on, beaten severely, and put in prison, all unfair, all for doing something good. In our lives, in this culture, there's, there's this kind of insinuated lie that if I do the right thing, I will get the thing that I want. That, that's what, you know, these people that are, um, these positive life uh, speakers that go around the world, you know, that's, that's pretty much their message. If you just follow the plan, if you just use these principles, then here's how your life will be. It'll, it'll be good. That's the earthly realm thinking. In the spiritual realm, Jesus says, in this world you're going to have tribulation. 
In fact, you're going to have tribulation because you're following me and you're doing the right thing and you're caring about people. But that doesn't eliminate joy. So what is their response? In earthly realm thinking, our natural response is to throw a pity party, call a lawyer and the news outlets and let them know how unfairly we've been treated and this can't be right. In the heavenly realm reality, the response is, okay, this is going to be good. Have you ever heard that before? This is going to be good. Why? Because I'm going to God and God is in charge. And he said, in this world I'm going to have tribulation, but he's overcome the world. And so he's going to give me joy and peace as I go through this. Verse 24, having received this order, he put them in the inner prisons, fastened their feet in the stock. So they're beaten, they're bruised. We don't even know, they may still be naked. Um, and and they're, they're put in stocks, which would be uncomfortable after having been beaten. So about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, probably because they couldn't sleep. Because they were in such pain. They couldn't sleep. Their response was to go to the throne room to go to God. And they were praying. We don't know what they were praying, but we know next they were singing hymns to God. Praise, thanks, glory to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. So they not only were worshiping, they were putting on a concert. They caused people to pay attention to who they were singing about. And suddenly a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons, prison was shaken. If they don't choose joy, the earthquake doesn't come. And immediately all the doors were open. That didn't happen in the earthly realm. That's heavenly realm. And everyone's bonds were unfastened and all the chains fell off. There are some active angels working in that prison. Amen. Right? Because this is... But why? Because they chose joy. They are about to experience increased joy from what they've experienced before because they were put into a joyless situation and they responded by choosing God. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? How did he even know to ask that question? I think it was the songs that they were singing, the prayers that we were praying, because they had responded heavenly realm instead of earthly realm. They had joy. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of God to him and to all her who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he chose, he experienced joy. He rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Because they were placed into... Now, was God still in charge? Could God have prevented them from being beaten? Could God have prevented them from 
being put in prison? Could God have prevented them from being put in the stocks? Absolutely. He could have done any of that. And so oftentimes we think like Mary and Martha, why didn't you do that? But they had learned, they just lean into God, say, God, this is going to be good. I don't know what you're doing, but this is going to be good because we know that you're powerful and that you are, we're following you. And so as a result of that, their, their joy increased. Their pain was still present. More important, the jailer experienced salvation. So he came to God. <coughs> How else are you going to reach a jailer? You got to be where they are, right? More important, God received honor because all the prisoners heard what they were singing about and then the miracles show up and joy was experienced by all. Not only do joy and troubles coexist, joy comes by going through the troubles. Leaning on God, this is going to be good. So as we apply this, what are the situations that maybe you've gone through that you need to reflect on and say, I need to think about how God was using that. What are the situations that you're in right now that you might, you might be thinking, God, I think you should be taking care of this in a different way. But he's not. And it could be peaceless. It could be hopeless. It could be loveless. It could be joyless. But you're in these kind of situations and here's what I know, is God hasn't forgotten you. God is trying to take you to the back end. Because we want that on the front end, but it only comes on the back end. So what are the situations that you need to surrender? Finally, prepare your heart and your soul so that the situations that come in the future, you respond to in obedience, surrender, love, and with, okay, God, this is going to be good. Help me to cooperate. Help me to endure the pain. We live in a world that is broken. In order for the world to see God, we have to get, he has to take us into those broken situations. The worm brands could have never reached the people, the guards, the officers, fellow prisoners, had they not gone through the pain that they did. God has an agenda for you. So we need to stop whining. We need to, to put on our big boy pants and, and give ourselves to God. Be, be men and women of God, soldiers of God, regardless whatever he puts us into. Amen. Would you bow your heads? If some of those situations came, in, came to mind, would you in this moment say, God, I give them to you. I don't know what you're doing. And you're probably not going to tell me what you're up to. So I choose to trust you. I choose to have joy. I choose hope. I choose to love. And I choose to lean into you to experience your peace. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us. We have no idea how you are working in our lives and serving and arranging 
out of your love. I pray that you would help us to lean into it, see a little bit more of it as we surrender, listen, and obey. Lord, I pray especially for those that are going through really hard situations. God, give them all that they need. We, we know your promises tell us you are bigger. So I pray that you will be bigger within us, flowing through us. Um, and in those moments when we don't think we can take another step, God, I pray that you would infuse us with your spirit to just lean and let you push us. Let this week be a week of celebration and experiencing you that will flow onto every person that we meet. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.